Marco needed to hire everyone from a receptionist to a store manager to a head mechanic. ZipRecruiter helps me find all the right people, even the most difficult jobs to fill. ZipRecruiter helps me keep my business running. Take it from Marco and millions of other businesses who've used ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter can help you find the needle in the haystack. See why four out of five employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free at ZipRecruiter.com slash radio. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash R-A-D-I-O. ZipRecruiter.com slash radio. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Get in zone, AutoZone. Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today? Ah, starting trouble. No one likes that. We can get you set up for some stronger starts. You might just need a fresh charge, and we can take care of that free of charge. But if it is time for a new battery, we've got replacement batteries that'll fit your needs, starting at just $79.99. That's what makes us America's number one battery destination. Get in zone, Restrictions apply. Baseball is back, and the push for the postseason is on for hockey and hoops. Make it all count this spring with Superbook Sports. Superbook Sports is the best wagering app around with a direct line to experienced bookmakers behind the counter in Las Vegas. Plus, get a $250 bonus when you sign up, deposit, and wager in the same day. Don't let spring pass you by without winning money with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-889-9789. It's 2 p.m. in Memphis. Giannato and Jeffrey time. Get off the fence. Live on Memphis's sports station. 92.9 FM ESPN. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Giannato and Jeffrey show. We're coming to you live from Memphis, Tennessee. My name is Jeffrey Wright. You can follow me on Twitter at jwright929 ESPN. Joining the program in just a moment, live from Los Angeles, California, we Mark Giannato. Let's tell everybody what we got coming up on the program. It's Monday, so Jason Munz will join the program here in about 40 minutes or so. We'll get his thoughts on the latest transfer portal news. We'll discuss all that with him. When he joins around 240, we'll get into the list during hour number two. We'll preview game four tonight as well during the second hour. But now let's welcome to the program the Commercial Appeals lead sports columnist, the lead sports columnist of the number one sports section in the state of Tennessee. Top three sports columnist in the state of Tennessee, barely. Tied for eighth best sports columnist in the United States of America. He's on Twitter at MGNato. Mark, good day, sir. Uh, hello, hello. The sun has finally decided to poke out of the clouds here in LA. Um, it's, I, it, I, I'm going to be honest. It is so like difficult to adjust, not even just adjust like your body to the time change, just like figuring out when things are happening, you know, back there on like, for whatever reason I'm having, I'm struggling with it. Like, you know, like meetings that I had, or I was like, Oh, it's at a let, you know, it's at nine o'clock here in LA, not 11 o'clock. It's just, I don't know. I'm all out of whack. Yeah, I mean, I suppose for me, like the other, there was a large portion of my life there where it's just like you—you you do definitely get used to it, but like, yeah, there's a there is certainly an adjustment period. It's like, yeah, it's like I woke up at like, you know, eight o'clock this morning, and it's like, oh, but it it would be it would be different if I was like, you know, my work was in the Pacific time zone. Um, but it's just, you know, whatever. It's been nice, though. It's all right. It's all right. I'm, like, downtown, and you are right, Jeffrey. There's not much going on in downtown L.A. Yeah, it is. I mean, there's obviously, like, the, the big skyline and stuff, so there's, there's quote-unquote stuff. A lot of stuff. big buildings. Yeah, there's. Yeah, a lot of big buildings. But it certainly is not, like, a, other than, it's like. bustling. Yeah, it's, like, other than, like, going to games and stuff, it's, like, there's just not a ton to do down there. I will say it's like the one part of LA that doesn't have traffic. <laughs> so I, I, I think it's also though that's kind of beca- like the time that you're around there. Like it, it I mean you you're down there like on st- like street side, but no, I mean it, it's not easy. It's just it's just not a convenient place to live. No, not at all. But it is, uh, and well, well, we'll see what it's like. Uh, We'll see what this trip. I mean, honestly, if we're to dive into the basketball part, I mean, I think the obviously the 
success of this trip will be determined tonight. As much as everyone wants to put on, you know, like we can break down game three um, and sort of everything that happened there. But the reality is you'll forget about game three if they win tonight. Like, cause you will have got, you will have done what you came here to do if you can win tonight. No, I mean, I think that's, that's kind of what makes it, that's what makes it difficult to like analyze. You can, you can deal with the embarrassment of what was game three if you turn around and win game four, because then you kind of retake control of the series to a certain degree. But then in the back of your mind, it's like, well, we can't just unsee what happened in game three. I think that's what makes it difficult to kind of assess. Well, let's start overreaction Monday at this. I got, I got, I got my, my, my first overreaction. All right. Here's what it is, Jeffrey. Whoever wins tonight's game is winning this series. Yeah, I've got a similar one. I, I just put if the Grizzlies are going to win the series, they're going to have to win tonight. So, yeah, I think we're, yeah. we're, we're basically in the same position. Like, I just don't see a path. I, I find it hard to believe they're going to be able to beat the Lakers three straight times, and that's what they're going to have to do if they lose tonight. And in addition to that, I, I just – it just – you know, and, it, and even though yeah, I would give the – the Lakers would have a better chance of winning the series that they lose tonight than obviously the Grizzlies would if they lose tonight because it'd be three one two two instead of three one. But I'm convinced, you know, like if you win tonight, it just means the best. It means the best home team in the NBA has to go win two home games. That seems doable to me. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, you know, I, I think it is a situation where I feel like whoever wins takes complete control of the series tonight. Yeah, that feels that, 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 that is what it feels like. Now they're going to have to, you know, they're going to obviously have to play better. And you know, I don't. They're putting a lot of stock into. I think I know your answer to this, but they are putting. If you talk to them, like when we talked to Ja, when we talked to the yesterday, when we talked to the players after the game, they're putting a lot of stock into the fact that they outscored the Lakers by 16 over the last three quarters of Game Three. And kind of are chalking it up to, yeah, we were not ready for the moment, but we play, we didn't just play bad in that first quarter. We played historically abnormally bad, and that's not going to happen again. Um, and I agree that it's not going to happen again, but I don't necessarily agree that like, you know, you outscored them by 16. Like you can talk yourself into feeling confident because of that, but that's not the reason why I would feel confident because like ultimately. When push came to shove, even in the final three quarters, when the Lakers needed to make plays, they still made plays. Yeah, honestly, the only stock I put into that is the fact that it proves to me that, like, this Lakers team is still not some type of insurmountable beast. Like, yeah. The problem, well, the problem that I had with it was, like, okay, fine, the mental games you have to play with yourself, that's all, that's all well and good. But the Grizzlies in the second half had multiple opportunities to kind of make it a a real game. Would you say that's fair? Like there was there were some stretches in the third and some early stretches in the fourth. Like they they got it down to maybe twelve, I want to say. And then I mean, they, in the fourth quarter, I believe the closest they got it was nine at one point in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and when that like and when, when that super when late hit, it was like six minutes to go or something like that. I want to say maybe. Um, Ja hit a couple threes back-to-back, and it got down to nine. The real stretches that stand out, like, in the third quarter, like, they'd cut it to either, you know, somewhere around 12. I don't remember if it was 11. I don't remember if it was 13. And they had some opportunities to get it back into single digits. Well, then you looked up, and all of a sudden it was back to a 20-point game. Like, to me, that that was – that kind of showed that the final score to me, like, whatever it ended up being, I know it was a 10-point game, but – Every time the Grizzlies had a chance to like make make it a game, they were unable to do so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, now I will say that like where I would where I draw a lot of stock in, and this maybe goes to another sort of overreaction. Where where like I don't look at it in terms of they outscored the Lakers by sixteen because like to like ignore how you know like the hole they were in and just the natural dynamics of what happens when a team goes up big, they take, you know, like they take their foot off the gas pedal a little bit. Um, I think not enough is being made 
about how important those last three quarters were for John Moran. Sure. Um, no, I think that's fair. You know, because I did not think – I thought after Sunday, even if he comes back, he's not going to be he – he's not necessarily – I'm not going to – the Grizzlies are not necessarily going to be able to count on takeover jaw, takeover jaw, if you will, like super special jaw. Like he's going to be limited in some form or fashion by this hand injury. And he very well may still be. But those three last three quarters showed me that he can still be like superstar jaw out there on the court with whatever he's dealing with, with that hand. And I think that like, if we really take a step back and look at this, like a week ago, he's standing in front of his locker and it seemed like he almost thought his season was over. Yeah. And now you're heading into game four with him feeling really confident after, you know, coming off an injury and nearly having a 45-point triple-double. I think that's a huge deal for the Grizzlies going into this one, that you know, you know, Ja, maybe he's not 100%, but he's good enough to go take over a game. And these moments, down 2-1 on the road in a series, like, you know, all there's all this attention on Dylan, and it's like these moments are like this is these are John Morant moments. Yeah. These are like Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson Jr. moments. Those are the guys who win you these games. It's not the Dylan Brooks and Luke Kennards of the world. And to know that Ja is healthy enough to do that, I think is a is a to me a, should be a huge confidence boost um, and really gives you a level of assuredness going into this game. But you know what, like. They can go win this game because you know, yeah, they're they're diminished, but you know, at least Ja, at least you know, like if it's a close game in the fourth quarter, like it's not like Ja is going to be inhibited in any way necessarily. No, I I completely agree with you, especially the way that it started because didn't you feel like mm-hmm. he he was very hesitant at the start? His first six seven minute stretch there, his first stretch of the game, like the entire team, he looks complete like. His was a little more understandable. Right. It looked like uh, he was like trying yeah. to figure out what he could do with his hand um, out there on the court. Um, the the rest of the the problem was the rest of the team looked completely overwhelmed by the moment and by the situation. Um, but yeah, no, it was. I he he claimed when I asked him after the game, he claimed like you know the fact that he was out there meant he knew he could do everything. But it sure seemed like to me as that game wore on he got more and more comfortable and more and more assured of what he could actually do on the court with his hand. Do we know, is he saying that it's feeling better? Cause I was trying to figure that out. It's like, do you think maybe as the game went on, you know, I mean, he basically it's starting said to loosen the adrenaline up. Start, I think it's just like the adrenaline starts kicking in and you know, like, let's just be honest. We've, we've learned this about job. Like he is a, an emotional player in the sense that like, when things are going well for him, it like really influences so he, he's his like body a language. Yeah, yeah, his body language and his demeanor. Um, and so, you know, I think as things started going better for him, he started feeling better. Um, you know, makes sense. The the um, only but, issue that I have with trying to put too much into it because I do agree with you in this sense. If John ja Morant is going to be the superstar player that he's capable of being. Like, there's going to need to be playoff moments. And and this Mm -hmm. is the perfect opportunity for one of those moments. The only hesitation that I have is, how much do you think of the the flurry of performance was three-point shooting? Like, I just don't know if you can expect I mean, I don't think we can count on six threes. I don't don't think we can count on a mid-six threes. My thing is, like, could you count on nine? Because if you told me right now that you'll get 36 out of Ja tonight, I'm feeling a whole hell of a lot better. Yeah. No, I mean, and I think you need, you know, it, it will be interesting to see how Taylor Jenkins deploys the rotation, particularly around Ja. Like, does he bite the bullet? And, you know, is he going to play Kennard, Bain, Dylan, and Jaron? Does he give, you know, if Dylan's not hitting again, does he sit Dylan down, you know, and yeah. play someone else? Is he willing to sacrifice the defense that way? Um, you know, there's going to be some interesting 
decisions there, but I still go back to, and like, there's so much attention on what Dylan has done in this series. And like, I just don't think Dylan Brooks is deciding this game tonight. You know what I mean? Like, no, and, and weirdly, I, I understand all the attention it got. I don't think he decided game three. I think Anthony Davis did. Yeah. Um, because, um, I had I had this, and I have a column up sort of about this over at commercialpeel.com. Like we can, you can talk about Dylan and his inability to knock down shots, and sort of the the circus he's created with his talking. We can talk about Kennard and how you know they have this dilemma of you know he's a little bit weak defensively, and I mean we can trouble. we can be real. It's not a little bit weak defensively. He's had he had game two. He was all right. You know, but game, you know, games one and three, he didn't hold up, and then he's having trouble getting his shot off. But the reality is, as you look at the numbers, they're better with him on the floor than off of it. And it makes sense series. just because when he's on the floor, whether or not he's hitting shots, they they're for him. they're at least they're at least respecting him, and they're the it's not as crowded on the floor. Yeah, um, and all that. But like to me, if they're going to win this series, John Morant. Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson Jr. are going to have to play well and play well together. Like if we really, you know, these are, this is their big three. This is who they're building around. And if you really look at it, in game one, Jaron was fantastic. Yep. Bain didn't shoot well, and Ja got hurt. Yep. So you had basically like one out of three. In game two, Ja didn't play. Bain shot poorly again. Um, Jaron played okay. You kind of had like one, one and a half in that. And then game three, Ja has the triple-double, the near triple-double, the 45 points, but both Bain and Jaron got in foul trouble in the first half. And by the time, you know, Bain actually had, you know, one of the things that I think is not getting discussed enough either is, you know, everyone, you know, in the second half, Bain also had a strong second half. He had like 16 points in the second half. And again, a lot of it, you know, a lot of it was done when basically the game was decided already. Like in the in the parts of the game where it really mattered, Dez and Jaron were both in foul trouble, and that means Dez has been in foul trouble twice now in this series over three games. But I went and looked it up, and I asked Ja this because I basically asked Ja yesterday. I go, you know, what do you have to do? What's the key to like unlocking it so that you guys are all playing well together? You know, Ja, Dez, and Jaron, because that to me even without Brandon Clark and Steven Adams, like that's the formula for this team to go deep in the playoffs without, you know, the depth they thought they were going to have. It's the, the best three players actually playing well together because they do fit really well positionally together. But Ja said to me right away, he goes, I feel like it's time, man. It's been a tough season for us injury-wise. We didn't have a lot of minutes. So I feel like it's always two of us playing at once. Somebody is pretty much out. It's just finding that balance. So I went and looked it up after he said that. During this regular season, Jeffrey, John Morant, Desmond Bain, and Jaron Jackson Jr. were on the court together for 444 minutes over 29 games. So they really only played 29 games, all three of them at the same time. If you compare that to last season, last season – they were on the court together for 851 minutes over 53 games. So basically almost double the amount of time. Yeah. Um, and they, before these playoffs, they had played just seven regular season games, the three of them all at once, since Jaws strip club incident. Um, and it's interesting also, so their net rating together this year as a, as a trio was 12.8, which was the second-best rating among the team's 10 most-used three-man lineup combos. So, like, they're, they're, you know, as expected, the three best players were really good together, okay? Yeah. Um, in the first two games of this series, oh, and I should say, over during nine games together in the postseason last year, they had a net rating of 11.6, so pretty equivalent, okay? Um in the two games of this Lakers series, when those three players are on the court, Ja, Jaron, and Desmond Bain, they have a net rating of minus 12.6 in the two games all three have played in this series. Ja, Jaron, like, and Des? Yes. Yeah. So, like, 
they have not played well together. So various, you know, like Jaron's played well in stretches. Ja had a, you know, that the last three quarters of game three. Dez has been, you know, very up and down in the series. Like they haven't played well together. And like, I just find it hard to believe you are going to take out LeBron and AD in this Lakers team without those three playing well. I just don't see it happening. And, like, that's that's what the Grizzlies need. And this feels like a, you know, not to say it's like a defining moment for, like, this era of Grizzlies basketball because they are so young. But, like, ultimately, eras are defined by how you do in moments like this. Like, winning a game, winning a game four on the road when you're down 2-1. Like, this is how eras get defined. Um, and it's not to say it's the end-all, be-all, because they're going to have more chances. But this is a chance to kind of, you know, like really have a, you know, it'd be like, honestly, like for this group, I mean, maybe game six, the game six win over Minnesota was better because you closed out a series. But like, I don't know, this might be better given the circumstances, given what you're facing, given the play, you know, the two, the two legends you're facing, like to go into L.A. tonight, win this game. And as I point out, my feeling is whoever wins this game is going to win the series. Like, this could be one of those moments for this core to really kind of to really kind of have one of those, like I said, playoff moments where you kind of you kind of define yourself as a trio. And that's that. I mean, that's what the grit. That's what that's what's been made very clear from this series. Like, you know, I remember a couple years ago there were some. You know, there was always talk of, well, what about Dylan? You know, is it a big four? And I think it's going to come very clear in this series. There ain't no big four, okay? It's it's there's three guys who this organization have, and it's really been like this way for you know a good year now. Who this organization have identified as the faces of our organization, the faces of this particular era of Grizzlies basketball, um, and it's led by Ja, obviously, but Jaron and and Dez are like viewed as pillars too, I believe, and. Um, you know, they, they, you know, but they haven't like, they haven't really accomplished that much in the playoffs. Like the reality is the first year they made the playoffs together, Jaron was, you know, coming off injury and wasn't really his self in that Utah series. You know, Dez was still like a rookie. Grayson Allen was starting most of the games. Yeah, they were like then. splitting time. Yeah. And I guess they did together go beat Golden State in the play-in. So that was an accomplishment. But again, like I said, Jaron and Dez felt like they weren't really the focal points of that team. Um, and then last year, they, you know, they, they won the Minnesota series, but as we've talked about a lot, Jaron was pretty much a non-factor in that series until game six. Um, Dez was fantastic. Ja was solid. Um, and then in Golden State, when they were down 2-1 in that series, they were going into game four without John ja Morant. He had gotten hurt in game three. And so um, – it's uh, like uh, like I said, this is kind of like a uh, for that trio. I think just a uh, you know I think the way Taylor Jenkins phrased it is like he challenged them. Um, like this, these are the guys who are going to lead us through this. Like if they're going to get through this, it's going to me. It's those three guys that are going to get them through this round. Yeah, and I think I would even go a little bit more. So to me, my overreaction is Desmond Bain has to give you more. And, and yeah. I know, I know he's banged up. Like I, I suspect at the end of the season he's getting surgery. Like I'm, I'm not trying to be, you know, oblivious to that fact. But Mark, when you look at offensive rating right now, Dez is only producing a 90, 95 points per per hundred possessions right now. He's down there with in this series. The only people that are lower than him are Tyus, who also has to give you more. He's got to hit shots, mm-hmm. and uh, Roddy and Dylan. Yeah, he's shooting 38% from the field. Um, he's only shooting you know, 30% from three. I, thought 30, I think he upped it to 35 because he had a good second half, I think. it's thir- I think it's 30.4. Let's see. Oh, sorry. Maybe I just calculated it wrong. But regardless, he's shooting 38%. And, like, one of the bigger issues for him right now is, you know, he was, you know, he had, it felt like, it felt like. Yeah, he's shooting, thir- he's shooting, you are correct, he's shooting 38% from the floor, but he's only shooting 30.4. Four percent from uh, gotcha. three. Well, it was three of five from three in the second half yep. of game three, um, and so I think that's like I said. I think 
I'm hopeful that second half maybe gets him to turn the corner. But his one of his biggest issues is, you know, we've seen this year, you know, his ability to, you know, downhill Dez, so to speak, as Brevin Knight calls him, like that ability to get to the cup has been like an expanded part of his game. And frankly, it's helped a little cover up a little bit that like, you know, like he's not shooting bad. He hasn't shot the ball bad this year, but it doesn't feel like he shot the ball better than he has at times this year. You know, like it felt like he was a better three-point shooter last year, even though he's still a good one now. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. No, I, I, went, I was I was trying to look up the, the numbers to prove. I Yes, this is – yes. So he shot his first year on only four threes per game. He shot 43.2%. Last mm-hmm. year he upped it to nearly seven threes per game and shot 43.6%. Seven threes mm-hmm. per game this year, and he's down to 40%. It, yeah, so like he's not a, it's a good three-point shooter still, but he hasn't been quite as deadly as years past. Well, but like the biggest problem is like he shot 40% this year from 3, but he's only shooting 30% right now. Like to me like Yeah. Uh, Cuz I can but, but he's also at the rim. He he he, well, he overcame some of that in the regular season cuz he was like finishing at the rim way more than you were accustomed to his first couple years in the league. And I think if you look at his numbers, Taylor even brought this up. Like, his numbers finishing at the rim, and then, you know, I think you can credit Anthony Davis for a lot of this. His numbers at the rim are not good in this series. Like, he's not finishing when he gets into the lane. No, I mean, to your point, he's he's shooting 47.9% from the floor on the season, and he's only 38% right now. Yeah. And then I brought up Davis. Here's, here's another overreaction for you. All right. Um, I don't know if this applies to tonight or not. I think to win this series, they're also going to have to win a game when he plays well. Like, they won game two and he didn't play well. Yeah. They lost games one and three when he did play well. And it felt like game three in particular, you mentioned it before the series, like it's one thing to give up 20 and 10 to him. It's another to give up 30 and 20. Yeah. And that was a very good – I think it was 32 and 17 is yeah. what it ended up in game three. Like, you know, and so – but I still think in general, again, if you are – you, you know, the way this series shapes up, you have to win three of the next four. I think if you're counting on on Anthony Davis having three bad games over the next four, uh, you know I, that seems risky to me. I think you're going to have to win it. You know, not only are you going to have to win a game on the road, maybe or definitely, you're also going to have to win a game. I suspect when he plays well. And how do you? If you're the Grizzlies, how do you do that? I, I think that's more than fair because, again, maybe we'll be proven wrong. The way that I felt watching the game on Saturday night was I felt like Anthony Davis's performance in game two said more about Anthony Davis than it did what the Grizzlies did. Like, to me, mm-hmm. I think he just had a bad night. And that's, well, gonna... that's what he does. To be fair, that's what he does sometimes. Yeah. He's, like, passive no, sometimes. And It's one of his flaws. And, you know, I mean, he's still, like, I don't know. To me, I just really felt like – I really felt like the biggest difference – I felt like he made his presence known in Game 3 in the same way that he made his, made his presence known in Game 1. Yeah, I mean, he was just very aggressive. If he's, you know, and like that's what, I mean, frankly, that's what the Lakers need out of him. Um, and so, and they don't, I mean, it's just very clear the Grizzlies don't, they have not shown they have a defensive answer for him when he's engaged, if that makes sense. Um, I, you know, I, I just, like, I think Xavier Tillman is, is working really hard and playing really hard, but the reality is, is he's like six seven, six eight. Yeah. You know, like, um, and I, I, like I said, I think I think it's a matter of when I look at it. If you know, I don't know if you're necessarily going to be able to just stop Anthony Davis like you did in Game Two. I think he's going to get his. I I've kind of seen it this way throughout the series, even beforehand, but now especially like. If you really look closely, the stat I'm going to be paying attention to tonight, you mentioned Tyus earlier and Dez and Dylan. So if you take four players on each team, I'd say the four, like, primary role players. And so for the Grizzlies, not role players, role players is probably the wrong word, but primary supporting cast, I put it, especially on the perimeter in terms of shooting. You know, for the Grizzlies, if you group them, Dez, Dylan, Canard and Tyus. Yeah. And then for the Lakers, <clears throat> you go Reeves, Hachimura, 
um, Beasley and um, who am I blanking on? Oh, D'Angelo Russell. They're kind of been the four primary guys in this series. I guess you could throw Schroeder in there too. But basically in game two, those four guys from the Grizzlies outscored those four guys from the Lakers. The Lakers. In games one and three, those four guys outscored and badly outscored in both games, those four guys from the Grizzlies. And, like, that to me is the path. If you're going to – yeah, like, that's to me, that to me is the path. Like, yeah, Davis is going to get his, but I just – I think they're giving up too much to guys like Hachimura and D'Angelo Russell and Austin Reeves right now, and those are the guys who you actually might be able to stop. Like, I just don't know if you have an answer for Anthony Davis. So, to your point, if you if you take those four Grizzlies from three, they mm-hmm. are 26.6% from three on 64 shots. Mm-hmm. That's not good. I mean, you know, to me, like, that's kind of where this series has been going. Like, if the Grizzlies are going to do this, it's going to have to be making shots because you're going to – like. Far too often they they live in the paint. Well, I think it's been proven this series the best you can really hope for in the paint's kind of a draw. You know, you you've got to you've got to you've got to if your your paint scoring is going to be primarily those minutes when Davis is off the floor. Like you're not going to you can't like you know as I mean Jenkins talked about it yesterday. Like we cannot like it, I asked him about Dylan because obviously again the focus has been on Dylan and his. You know, I, I was made into a villain, which is just like, are we ignoring like, are we ignoring the fact that like, yes, it's obviously like a bigger, huge national story now, Dylan. Go look, go, go check like his clips from Oregon. It's not like this villain thing was invented no, uh, uh, by, in Memphis. He was viewed as a villain at Oregon. Br- Brian Kalbrowski, who who used to appear on the program periodically, he covered him at he covered him at Oregon, and Dylan the villain was his nickname there. Yeah, like this concept of like this was just created over the last two years is ridiculous. Um, frankly, I was writing about it during the pandemic year, so that's a year before that. And but two, when I did that story during the pandemic year, and I went back and looked it up. It was like, you know, all over the place from his Oregon days. Um, so um, I thought, I thought with, in regards to Dylan, skipping talk, like he should have, he, like honestly, now that he, he had leaned into it so much, his mistake was now at this point, he should have just kept leaning into it. Like, I don't understand why now he's pulling back all of a sudden. Like, I wouldn't have said the original LeBron thing. And I, you know, but at the same time, like, I wouldn't have skipped media after the game. Even if you're going to give terse answers, like, you shouldn't have skipped media after you did all that talking and then you got kind of embarrassed a little bit in game three. Um, And then I wouldn't have, like, tried to play the victim card yesterday. I don't understand doing that because it's not going to work, one. And two, like, this is what you wanted, like, I really, like, you wanted all this attention. That's why you did it. And so, like, to now then play the victim card just seems like, I don't know, it just seems like a poor calculation on his part in all of this. Yeah, the the way, my overreaction on all of this is, I, I get it, this may be, quote-unquote, toxic masculinity, but I stand by this. It's time for the Grizzlies to play tough rather than talk tough. Because, like, yeah. I, I think really that's kind of the biggest difference. Like, I don't feel like they're playing very tough. Yeah, I mean, they looked emotionally – they looked very fragile in game three just from the sense of, yeah, they, like, were resilient. But the, the moment when you needed to – like, they're going to they're gonna convince themselves, and, and they should because game four is really important. And yeah. ultimately, you know, I said going into this weekend or this trip, like – I thought game four was their better chance to win. Like, I didn't think they were – I thought game three, even if they had played – you know, even if they had shown better in the first quarter, was going to be a tough game to win, given how charged up that building was going to be. And then when Dylan said what he said, I just thought it was going to be a tough game to win. And I I said this on Friday. I thought the pressure was on the Lakers to win that game, not the Grizzlies. 
Now the pressure obviously is on the Grizzlies to win game. Like there, there's a lot of pressure on the Grizzlies in game four. Um, but um, with, uh, you know, with the, the whole, like they just seem when the game was actually decided. And I think we both agree that game was decided in the first quarter. Yeah. The Grizzlies looked very fragile emotionally, like as a team. Like you saw like Bane airballing shots and, you know, um, you know, like them just looking like, you know, it was like these weak, these weak efforts at the rim. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, they just, and like that to your point of play tough, not talk tough. Like, and I don't think they'll do, like, I think they will be much better in this game. Like, I think, I don't think they're going to get, you know, you know, Frank, I predicted they win. I think, like, to your to your point of, like, the Lakers are just not, you know, they have a really good player in Anthony Davis. They have a player in LeBron James that I think. He's still an all-time moments, great. Yeah, he's, he's an all-time team, great. Yeah, yeah. Over 48 minutes, he cannot be an all-time great. But you, I think in key moments, he can be, you know. And like, he seems to be picking his moments, yeah. Yeah, and then, you know, they've got a decent enough supporting cast, but it's not, like, the greatest. Like, I mean, ultimately, like, this is not a, you know, to your point from last week, this is not some, you know, this is not even, this is not the Warriors from last year that you're playing, I don't think. And, um, you know, I, I predicted that they win this game because I think this is, this feels like, as much as I don't want to crisscross back and forth across the country this week, I think that's what I'm going to be doing. I yeah. think I'm going to like. I think I think I'm going to be going back and forth, and then on Sunday there's going to be a game seven in Memphis that's going to test these Grizzlies more so than even this game. But they got to win this game tonight to get to to think they can get to that point. I suspect. Yeah, my biggest overreaction about tonight is. I think this is going to be a tough competitive game and the Grizzlies are going to have to do something that they haven't done this year. It's play well in the fourth quarter on the road. Mark, I was looking it up because somebody tweeted Jeff in today. Do you realize the last time the Grizzlies won as a road dog was January of last year in Denver? Get out of here. I'm not kidding. This year, this year, the Grizzlies are. Oh, and 16. As a road dog this year, wow! If uh, also including the playoffs, and on top of that, like you know, hey man, we've seen fourth quarters. Like they're going to have to prove that they can be a fourth quarter team. That's what you got to do if you yeah. want to be the team you say you are. You win these type of games and you win these types of fourth quarters. Yeah. That's just the reality. If you want to, if you you are the team you say you are, you go out and win this game and. Um, we'll see. Like, I, I think they will. I think, you know, I, I think they will rise to the occasion tonight. Um, and we will see, we will see, we will see a great spirited effort out of them. And I think, uh, I think we're going to, we're going to look up whatever tomorrow morning, we're going to wake up and we're going to go, here we go to best of three and the best home team in the, in the NBA has two, two of the three at home. Um, that's what I suspect. But it's going to take – I mean, they're just going to have to play a lot better. That's just the reality. All right, Mark, we'll talk to you again during hour number two. All right, sounds good. That is Mark Giannato live from Los Angeles. When we come back, Jason Munz joins the program. Jonathan Lawson has entered the transfer portal. He'll tell us all about that, what it means, what it means about potential other roster moves. We'll discuss all that with him next right here on Giannato and Jeffrey, 92.9 FM, ESPN. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Aaron Hawksworth here to help you beat the books with BetQL. The BetQL model has one over circled for today. Chris Sale, not the pitcher he used to be, and Dean Kramer, his ERA, north of six. So BetQL has Red Sox Orioles over eight as a five-star best bet. I'm Aaron Hawksworth. Bet smarter. Beat the books. Download the BetQL app today. How long does it take to tackle a home project? With Angie, you could cross it off your list before this ad is over. Just tell us what you need. Indoor or outdoor, repair or redesign. And we handle the rest. 
sending a top pro to get it done. You don't have to lift a finger, except to tap the screen or click the mouse. Plus, Angie is free to use. So bring us your next home project, and we'll bring it home. Download the app or go to Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Consumer investigator Andy Wise here. I've covered my share of disasters, and I can tell you the people of Service Master by Cornerstone are the experts when it comes to disaster cleanup. They use all modern methods to repair the damage, be it a home gutted by fire or a five-story commercial building racked by storm damage, with a laser focus on getting your home or commercial building back to normal. Service Master by Cornerstone has the respect of risk insurance adjusters and emergency contractors. It will save your business or home. Make the wise choice for disaster cleanup. Service Master by Cornerstone. Hey, there's a new, faster, less expensive way to get a home loan here in Memphis. It's Loan Pronto. LoanPronto.com. Started by somebody who looked at the process, said, my God, there's got to be an easy way. And this is a game changer. It's Jeff Calkins. Loan Pronto can get you cash right now from your home equity. Check out their Express Equity line of credit program. You can keep your main mortgage intact, but still get tens of thousands of dollars out of your home. You can use that money to pay off all those credit cards with those 25% interest rates or to start a home improvement project. Loan Pronto's all-digital platform makes it incredibly easy, very little paperwork, and you can get your money in as little as five days. And here's the thing, 90% do not need an appraisal. So call... Five eight nine twenty one fifty five. Equal housing lender NMLS one six six one seven eight one. Subject to lender approval. All six fifty acquisition fee thirty thousand miles twenty cents excess mileage. Forte PE five eighty one three forty eight. MSRP twenty one six ninety. Seltos P seven forty five eight three seventy eight. MSRP twenty four eight forty. Sol P seventy two zero five three seventeen. MSRP twenty two two fifty. Includes all rebates and incentives. Must finance through Hyundai. Excludes tax and license with approved credit. See dealer for complete details. Offer valid through four thirty twenty three. Dealer stock only. Warranties limited. Power sharing warranty. See Kia dot com or retailer for details. Hey Jeff Allen, I'm ready to get on the road for better days ahead, and I know Kia is the way to go. What do you got over there at Gossip Kia South Mount? Mar- how about 2023 Kia Forte LXS 41 MPG 249 a month 2799 due at signing or take your pick from these great SUVs 2023 Seltos LX all wheel drive 2999 due at signing or a 2023 Kia Soul LX 2799 due at signing only 269 a month all 36 monthly plus Kia's 10 year 100,000 mile powertrain limited warranty and if you don't see it I'll order exactly what you're looking for so whether you live in Horn Lake South Haven Olive Branch or Memphis, you'll be happy, happy at Gossip Key on Mount Moriah. 2680 Mount Moriah or Key of Mount Moriah.com. Is your new year still falling flat? Do you avoid stairs with multiple steps? You are not alone. This year, millions will be diagnosed with low energy or low E. But Planet Fitness has the cure. With clean, spacious clubs and tons of equipment, you can boost your energy after one workout. Leave low E behind and find your big fitness energy at Planet Fitness. Join in the free PF app for $1 down, $10 a month. Limited time flash sale. Get the PF Classic card for only $1 down, $10 a month. Now through April 19th. See Home Club for details. Big Memphis. Protect our crib with us this Wednesday, April 26th, as your Grizzlies battle the L.A. Lakers for Game 5 of the playoffs. Presented by Pinnacle Financial Partners. Experience every towel-waving moment and get your tickets now by visiting grizzlies.com or call 901-888-HOOP. The extra debit card is issued by Evolve Bank and Trust or Patriot Bank. NA member FDIC pursuant to a license by MasterCard International. The bank does not sponsor spending limits or credit reporting. Extra reports on time and late payments which may impact your credit bureau's determination of your credit score. This is an advertisement using paid actors. From getting a credit card to a new car, a house, even a job, you're being judged by your credit score. If you're being denied credit or paying high interest rates, you need to get the extra debit card. The first debit card that builds credit and earns reward points. This extra card has literally saved my non-existent credit. My credit went from nothing to good, and I am so excited. I was approved to get an apartment with no problems, and it's all because of this card. I also applied for a credit card and easily got approved. I'm so happy I signed up for Extra. Unlike other debit cards, the Extra debit card can help you build your credit. In fact, based on a study of Experian data, Extra card holders who used Extra as recommended saw an average credit score increase of 48 points. There's no interest and no credit check to get started. So start building credit with debit today. Sign up now at extra.app. That's extra.app, extra.app. As a roofer, I'm always on the go. So I need to be able to get things done from anywhere. That's why I partner with Beacon. With the new Beacon Pro Plus app, I've got the brands I depend on, like GAF, right at my fingertips. It's like having my Beacon rep in my pocket 24-7. I rely on Beacon. Because I never stop building, and neither do they. Now through June, purchase through Beacon Pro Plus and earn up to 1500 bucks.
Beacon, always building. I'm John Morgan of Morgan & Morgan. We recently received a call from an injured person who'd hired another law firm. The insurance company had offered them $11,000, but we said, let's take another look. We took the case over and got more than $2 million in court. All law firms are not the same. And just because you already hired a firm, that doesn't mean you can't fire that firm. Luckily, this client did. Morgan & Morgan, America's largest injury law firm. Visit ForThePeople.com for an office near you. G&J guests appear on the Cadence Bank phone lines. We're back with the Giannato and Jeffrey Show, live from the Red River Toyota Studios. Check out Red River Toyota in Wynn, Arkansas, on 92.9 FM ESPN. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code right, my last name, W-R-I-G-H-T, and receive up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, player props, and daily boosted odds specials. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Find out why BetMGM is the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Tennessee only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards. Beg your pardon. First online real money wager only. Rewards issued as knowledge roll of bonus bets. Bonus bets expire seven days from issuance. For problem gambling support, call the Tennessee Red Line. 1-800-889-9789. Jason Munns is the Tiger basketball beat writer. For the commercial appeal, joins us each and every Monday on the program. Jason, what are we listening to? Jeffrey, this is Desperately Wanting by Better Than Ezra, of course. It's their best song, right? Oh, that's, you know, I mean, there's certainly an argument that... that I love this song argument. way more than I loved Good. Yeah, I mean, Good obviously was the most popular song yeah. that they've ever released in terms of, like, radio and stuff. But, like, yeah, this is up there. I mean, I... I Honestly, though, King of New Orleans is really good. Yeah. Uh, at At the Stars is a sneaky good little like uh, you know uh, 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 ballad. Um, and uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm a fan. It, it, I chose this song because uh, last Thursday uh, I I took the wife to see them and Sister Hazel and Ingram Hill. Correct. Shout out to Justin. At the, at the grand reopening of the Bank Plus Amphitheater in South Haven, and uh, it was a uh, it was twenty years I don't know about to the month or anything, but it was twenty years to the day from the first not the day twenty years ago uh, was the first time I saw Better Than Ezra live in Hattiesburg. They opened for Train, mm. and uh, yeah, that was. That was a that was a decent show, and so I've seen him. I've seen it. That was last week was probably the I don't know fifth or sixth time I've seen him, and uh, you know they still got it, man. It was it was a good show. Is Jonathan Lawson desperately wanting playing time? <laughs> you filled in. You should you should take over the uh, the no, segue. I, no, uh, I like him doing it because watching him watching his gears try to spin, it's just fun for me. <laughs> No, that was a, that was well. You 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 uh, you've you've got a knack for it as well. But um, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm not I'm not a hundred percent certain that that is what prompted this decision by sure. Jonathan Lawson. Um, you know, you could like he was he was playing 16 minutes a game already as a redshirt freshman Jonathan was and um and and despite uh, all of the additions that you know all the newcomers that Penny uh, to this point has uh, you know was going to bring in the high school seniors the transfers you know at the division 1 level Jonathan was still the most proven commodity uh, as far as three-point shooting is concerned. He shot 41.3%. Granted, he only took 46 three-pointers last year. But, you know, again, I mean, you know, Caleb Mills has has 
shot has decent percentages and obviously way more experience, but Jonathan Lawson um, was kind of at the top of the food chain as far as a three-point shooting uh, standpoint goes. Um, Now, we can talk about Ashton Hardaway. We can talk about Jonathan Pierre. We can talk about others, obviously. But... um, so you know, I'm not. It's it's a little confusing, especially given the timing. It is it is late April here, and uh, it's not like you know, a lot of people, a lot of the, a lot of the reactions that I got that I saw today were like, um, this must mean that Jaden Bradley is officially going to be a Tiger, and that you know, it's getting crowded in the backcourt. And and that's why Jonathan is leaving. Well, I don't see that at all. Jaden Bradley is a true point guard. Jonathan at this stage in his career is not. Um, you know, two completely different skill sets, two two different positions. Um, I, I don't. I don't. Even if it, even if it was the case that Jaden Bradley is going to be a Tiger, I don't think that. Which which it's not. I mean, it, 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 it's nothing is official yet on the Jaden Bradley front. I'm sure we'll talk about that, but uh, it does not seem like that would be the thing that would push Jonathan Lawson toward the transfer portal. I'm not exactly sure. I've reached out to him. He did confirm to me, Jonathan himself did confirm to me that he has entered the transfer portal follow-up. I've attempted to follow up with him and, and, you know, to try and talk to him a little bit about why, you know, what was his motivation for, for entering the portal and I haven't received word back yet, but, um, you know, I'm not sure that playing time necessarily is the reason why, uh, he is, he has entered the transfer portal. Do you think this took the staff by surprise? I do, you know, I mean, in a, in a, in a sense, because, sure. Because it like it would have been way less surprising had this happened a month ago. Um, I mean, in fact, and I, and I don't think that. I mean, any any more, you almost expect people, guys who have not transferred before, you kind of almost expect it yes. a little bit. And I think, and I think, especially guys who you know like Jonathan only played, you know, was only playing 15 minutes a game. And, you know, there were, there was, there was stuff kind of during the season that you heard that you, you, you might've thought uh, there was some disgruntled uh, mess, disgruntledness um, going on there. You know, there was a couple of games that where he was held out, where he was like a healthy sit. And, uh, and, and that seemed to, to sort of, you know, not necessarily sit well with, with, with Jonathan, but, um, and so, yeah, it it would, it would have not been surprising in the least to me uh, if he had done this a month ago. And then you add to it the fact that um, his dad, Keelan Lawson told me and others, um, you know, back in March that, that they, that Chandler and Jonathan were both definitely staying. Um, you know, so I would be, yeah, I, I think that's a fair assessment that this probably uh, took the Memphis staff off guard a little bit. So it's not, is it, well, I guess I'll ask you this. Is it possible when Penny mentioned three open scholarships last week that this was one of them? I don't, I mean, I guess anything's possible. Because, sure. You know. Is it likely, it I guess? Be, I don't know. I don't think so, honestly. Like based on my read of the of the way things are going with with uh, people coming in and people going out and people in limbo, I don't. I don't. I don't think that this was part of that, honestly. Um, yeah, I, I don't. I don't think this is part of that uh, that number that he gave us when he said that there were three. Uh, I think the way he phrased it was when I asked him, uh, you know, how many scholarships he's currently working with. He said, I'm thinking three. Um, I do not think that that is taking this into account. So, I mean, again, I could be wrong, but uh, I, I don't think so. So what does this mean for, for their roster right now? 
Well, it means that uh, they got to go find some shooting, you know. I mean, Jonathan Pierre, uh, what was it, I think 42% or something like that at, 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 at Nova Southeastern last year. But, you know, that's a 6'9", 6'10", guy um, at a Division two school. Uh, do we think that he can replicate that or come somewhat close to it? At this, at the Division One level, at Memphis, uh, you know, who knows? We'll, we'll have to wait and see. Can Caleb Mills' percentage, you know, can he have a good year? Can he play above his sort of career, uh, you know, um, track record? I, I think he, you know, he's had a couple of seasons where he's been around 35 36%, and that's kind of been top of the mark. Can he do that? Can he do a little bit better than that? We'll see. Is there somebody out there um, in the transfer portal who, you know, can give you uh, that sort of outside presence? Because let's not forget, they they, they do not have Keontae Kennedy yeah. anymore. Um, well, I mean, well, yeah, I mean, I should, that's a good point. Like, like uh, while I'm while I'm kind of in that ballpark. Just because you go into the transfer portal does not mean you are transferring, right? right? Like you, you, you can uh, decide to stay with your, with the, with the current, you know, your, your, your current team. So I guess, you know, who knows? I mean, like maybe there's a change of heart and Jonathan decides to stay, or maybe even, you know, Memphis tries to get back to the table with Keontae Kennedy uh, you know, I, 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 that's pure, and I don't want to. I don't want to pass that off as like any sort of um, insight into this. Like literally, no. It's just, just it's the reality head. of like that's the way. I mean, I I know Bruce Pearl said before, like at Final Four weekend, there were twelve hundred people in the portal. I that number has only grown, so yep. it's not like everyone's going to land somewhere else for sure. Doesn't mean you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, and there was talk last year that maybe Imani would. Uh, would come back, and I, and I, in talking to people last off season, there, it, it wasn't just you know rumor and innuendo and speculation. Like there were, there was a little bit of a dalliance there where, um, you know, it wasn't completely off the table. And so that's why I say, you know, until somebody actually transfers to another institution, let's let's not assume they're gone a hundred percent. So. I don't know, but like as far as like uh, you know, replacing him and 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 what he was going to bring to the table, uh, you know, I mean, let's let's see what Ashton Hardaway can do from a three point shooting perspective, and that's not you know, I don't want to sit here and act like that's all Jonathan Lawson brought to the table. Um, you know, he 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 was familiar with Penny and the system, and you know, he's a Memphis guy and. Um, and everything else, he just, you know, he, he, he wasn't like a, I think he averaged four and a half points a game or whatever, and, you know, an assist and a half a game, a, a rebound or two a game, something like that. You feel like he was going to take a, a step forward in his project, uh, his progression, especially if he was going to be getting more playing time. Um, uh, so, you know, there's, there's other things that if he, with him not in the picture, if, if that indeed, Turns out to be, uh, turns out to, to be what you know ultimately transpires here. Then there's going to be some things that need to be picked up. But um, it's you know the, the real thing that they're going to miss is his three point shooting, and so it's going to yeah it's going to fall on uh, Caleb Mills. It's going to fall on um, Jonathan Pierre. It's going to fall on Ashton Hardaway. Those those are the names that come to mind immediately. And and, and again. Penny still has some spots available, so let's see what you know if he if he can go find somebody who's uh who's who can uh, you know fill that void. You've mentioned that there's the at least the assumption. Oh, this decision is Jaden Bradley related, and you don't exactly feel like that. Where does it stand with Jalen Bradley right now? So he visited. Obviously, he visited the Tigers last Wednesday and there was a um, feeling among people in the know that a commitment was 
rather imminent and that's usually the way it goes you know like a guy comes to on an official visit to memphis and um you know within 24 48 hours they're usually and they're usually announcing a commitment that's kind of how it tends to go um and and that was the way things were trending i mean memphis was getting close to the finish line very close to the finish line uh like last thursday and then there here we are it's Monday afternoon and still no announcement. 